You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about constipation because this is something that I see so many people struggle with in my clinical practice and so many people don't might not even know that they struggle with it to be honest because the conventional definition of constipation is characterized as having less than three bowel movements a week. However, I think that it is more normal and most normal to have one, two, three bowel movements a day. So anything less than that, I consider having constipation. So even if you go every other day, I consider that constipation. If you have a bowel movement and then you go two days and then you have two bowel movements, that's still constipation because you want to be eliminating things every single day. And why is this important? Because bowel movements are one of the biggest ways that our body is eliminating toxins because the liver is processing them up, packaging them through phase one, phase two, phase three detox. Bile is being mixed into all of this to be able to really neutralize a lot of those toxins as they enter your digestive system. So that's why it's so important to have good liver and bile health because that is really kind of the catalyst for having good bowel movements, having good digestion, which we'll definitely talk about. But when you aren't eliminating things on a daily basis, think about all that's able to accumulate and add up. You're able to, especially in terms of hormones, when people are not getting rid of things on a daily basis, that means they're not getting rid of estrogen. So I see a lot of estrogen dominance because by inability to excrete healthy and regular bowel movements. Constipation for sure is a very, very complex topic. And there's so many different reasons why it might be occurring. And I definitely want to get into all of that today. We're going to get into different forms of overgrowth. We're going to get into dehydration and mineral statuses. We're going to get into how environmental toxins can play into it. Your vagus nerve or that that nerve parasympathetic vagal state being able to be activated lack of movement lack of lymph low fiber certain medications can definitely cause various medical conditions hormonal shifts and fluctuations and even sometimes supplements so we're going to get into all of that today and I guess we're going to start with first I want to get into some type of bacterial some type of dysbiosis, which dysbiosis just simply means shift in microbiome. I want to talk about that, how that can definitely relate because that's why probiotics help people so much. So think about, okay, is constipation something you've struggled with ever since you were a kid? Okay. If you did, were you bottle fed or were you breastfed? Were you vaginal birth or were you C-section? Just thinking of, okay, your initial exposure to potential beneficial probiotics then we can get into things like okay were you on a lot of antibiotics as a kid and this is things that I'm asking patients and clients all the time because they're like what does this have to do with the fact that I have acne now or the fact that I'm estrogen dominant or the fact that I don't go to the bathroom and I'm like well it has a lot to do with it because if you're on I mean 
whatever kind of the situation is, there's things that we can do to support it. But so many of those things really do add up to us having certain ailments, whether it's even if it's something as benign as constipation. But look at all the different things that constipation can cause. It can cause estrogen dominance, cause skin issues. It obviously can make you feel bloated, creates a lot of inflammation. It could be painful. It's just going to create hormonal disruption in the first place because of things aren't able to recycle, um, digestive issues. I mean, the list really, truly does go on and on. So it's very, very important. And like I said, you want to aim to be having at least one to three bowel movements a day. And if you are at a place where you're not having that, or maybe you have it sometimes, but you don't have it other times, hopefully this episode is going to help you be able to figure out, okay, I'm going to help myself troubleshoot why I might be having constipation. So kind of back to the overgrowth or dysbiosis. So the dysbiosis can be caused by an imbalance of bacteria. So more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And that can be caused by maybe you don't eat a lot of fermented foods. Maybe, like I said, you you weren't breastfed or maybe you weren't vaginal birth. So you, you didn't get those initial exposures. And then maybe you did, but then maybe you were on antibiotics a lot as a kid that, that I'm sure they were not giving you probiotics. So, you know, a lot of those could have been killed off, unfortunately. So I'm not saying that probiotics are, you, if, if you're just there, you just need to go on a probiotic and that'll fix everything. It definitely is very case and case, by case dependent, but it is really important to make sure you are populating the good bugs and minimizing the bad bugs. So certain probiotics can do that. If you are looking at probiotics, I really like spore-based probiotics. I feel like they do a really good job surviving the harsh stomach acid, whereas even the most expensive ones that can be in refrigerated, a lot of times they still don't survive the harshness or what should be harshness of the stomach acid. A lot of people's stomach acid is weaker now, but a lot of times it's not surviving that stomach acid. So I like spore-based. Um, I I personally use and love the Megaspore probiotic from microbiome labs. That's one of my favorites. You can get that on full script or you can get it right from microbiome labs, uh, through a practitioner. I can put my practitioner account below. If you feel like you want to get on a good spore-based probiotic to just help starting to repopulate that, then obviously being able to eat lots of fiber-rich foods to be able to feed those good bacteria. Those are what we call prebiotics. Eating fermented foods, if your body tolerates it, everybody's different. And so I don't want to just say everyone needs to go eat three servings of fermented foods a day because sometimes you don't your body you need to do what your body feels good doing and so if you're definitely more of a complex case I I definitely recommend working with somebody Um, but then we can get into more I guess um, very common but a little bit more complicated for people to understand maybe not um, and parasite infections and how that can cause constipation. So it is pretty ironic, but parasite infections, you'd think, oh, I'm going to have diarrhea. I'm going to be going to the bathroom all the time. Not necessarily because parasites for sure can make you feel constipated. I see that a lot. I see that a lot, a lot, because when people start really killing them off, then if they're already not going, then they get, then they feel absolutely horrible. So that's why it's really important. That's why I do the parasite protocol through my membership, because I don't just want to hand you everything and then just say, okay, go on your way. Like through the membership, you have access to me. There's a messenger platform right there. So it's, it's very, you have, you have more one-on-one access so that if you're like, Hey, I'm taking these herbs and I'm not going to the bathroom. You know, we find a way to be able to make sure that you start going because 
when you're killing them off, especially, and you're still not going, that's not good. But I, I see a lot of cases where people do go through parasite protocols and they start noticing that they have a lot easier time going in the morning, that it's just kind of like clockwork. And that's exactly how it should be. Within the first hour that you're awake, you should be going to the bathroom. And if you're not, it's time to evaluate why that could be. And these are kind of all potential reasons. And it doesn't have to be just one. It could very well be multiple, multiple forms of these. So I see parasites a lot because with constipation, of course, the diarrhea as well, but interestingly enough, for sure with constipation, especially depending on where they are, they can be kind of blocking certain things. So important to definitely make sure that that is ruled out. I think if you have a policy of a parasite, I've heard that quote multiple times. And I don't know who quite to give credit to because I've heard so many practitioners say it, but it is very true. So something you want to definitely look at. Obviously, dehydration is a potential other cause because water is going to form it's going to keep the bowels moving throughout the digestive system because when they are dehydrated that's where you get like that hardness in terms of constipation it's just it's hard it's not easy to flow it's hard to pass so obviously water is important but water hydration does not just mean okay I'm just going to chug a bunch more water water means water plus minerals because you need minerals to actually hydrate the cell so Maybe you add trace mineral drops. Maybe you add like a little pinch of high quality salt, like Redmond's Real Salt or Pink Salt. But you really want to make sure you're hydrated. And at least you want to aim for half of your body weight in ounces of water. That's base minimum, I'd say. If you're sweating, if you're active, you definitely want to do more than that. Um, Another potential root cause could be certain environmental toxins that could be essentially even damaging the nerves that are regulating colonic movement so slow motility can be caused from various things I mean stress is a big one because when you're in a sympathetic state you are not thinking about digestion that's why the parasympathetic state is called rest and digest because you are in that state where your body's actually able to feel safe so that it can process digest its food get the mobility going so there are there's tons of nerves in your digestive tract I remember looking at them in gross anatomy and you could just you know tweeze them out and put them to each of the digestive organs so just to show you even on a an anatomic level how connected nerves are to your digestive system everything is connected nothing no system in our body works independently of another and so that's why holistic and whole body medicine is is so important I think and it's a lot of we forget that even in more natural realms, sometimes we're like, oh, it's it's just the liver, and it's just this. Well, your liver connects to your gallbladder, and and both of those connect to your GI system, and there's nerves connecting all those. So everything, truly everything, is connected. Um, so, anyways, there's various environmental toxins that can inhibit the nerves that regulate your colonic movements, such as herbicides and pesticides. So, herbicides and pesticides, unfortunately. They are kind of just everywhere. So just do the best that you can do in terms of avoidance or just being mindful about minimizing your exposure to them whenever you can. Um, Herbicides, pesticides, glyphosate, they also actually can negatively impact your GI microbiome. So I think I've talked about this before, but when you intake glyphosate, it acts as 
kind of an antibiotic, but in the worst way because it's killing your good bacteria, but not the bad bacteria. So that's another way that we can get GI dysbiosis is by consuming foods that are sprayed with glyphosate. And I think that's just another reason why it's, I mean, there, I've talked about this too. Organic is not a hundred percent bulletproof, but it is the best that we have right now. And I think even better than that is speaking to a farmer. So going to a local market or trying to have some type of connection. And so you can ask what their farming practices are. I don't think I've, I've asked every single farmer I've ever bought from, Hey, what are your spraying practices? Do you, do you spray Roundup? Do you spray pesticide, fungicide? What do you, what does that look like? And I had some really nice lady at the market. I really wanted peaches, but I know that fruit was heavily sprayed. And I said, do you guys by chance spray your peaches? She goes, we do. She goes, but there's actually a stand over there that they don't. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. Like, so they're, they, I think people think that when you ask that question, they're going to get offended, but I don't, I don't know. I never have. I just politely, I'm like, okay, thank you so much. Like, I'm not rude about it. And if anything, the more people that start to ask, the more people, the more these farmers will say, oh, wow, that's really seems what people are wanting. Maybe we can start to switch to these type of practices. So I think it's, that's the best thing is to be able to ask your farmer. And then if you can't, trying to either stick to the clean 15 or dirty dozen that's put out by the EWG every year. I have a post on that, but you can just go to the EWG website, look at their clean 15, dirty dozen and see, okay, of the clean 15, these are the foods I don't have to necessarily stress about. They're not as heavily sprayed with pesticides, whereas the dirty dozen, if you can, if you're, if it works with your budget, try to get those organic when you can. Kind of going also on the uh, colonic movement, vagus nerve. So that vagus nerve, remember, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's that nerve, that cranial nerve 10 that comes from your brain and it innervates various organs of the body. It's innervating your lungs. It's innervating your liver. It's innervating your GI system. And it is a parasympathetic nerve. So that means that it's it, it works when you're in a parasympathetic state or it helps, I guess, even to get you in a parasympathetic state. So that's why deep breathing is a great way to activate it, humming, singing, different things that get your body in that state. So if you find that you're constipated, are, are you having a stressful morning? Are you kind of getting up and like going zero to a hundred every single morning and not really allowing your body ever to get in a state of rest and digest? In the morning, I can feel it like as I'm sipping some warm water or sipping some herbal tea sitting there either reading a book or just like doing some lately I've been watching a lot of webinars and just I'm in a relaxed state I'm not in a go 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 sitting there doing some deep breathing you can feel the kind of thing starting to gurgle and feel maybe starting to feel that type of sensation without coffee without caffeine without anything just being a little bit hydrated being in that parasympathetic state really does go a long way so really doing things to activate that vagus nerve is very important. Um, also obviously not holding it in when you need to go. That is really important because the colon's job is to reabsorb water from the stool. So the longer that you put off going, the more water that the colon is going to put out, pull out of the stool. So it's going to continue to make it more dry, more firm and more difficult to pass. So when you have to go, do not hold it, go kind of on this to lack of lack of movement. Um, Physical activity is a very great way, very, very, very good way to stimulate your colon. So if you find that you're very, that you're not as active as you'd like to be, or maybe you sit at a desk all the time, I see this all the time. The mornings that I'm up, maybe I'm standing instead of sitting, I am going so much quicker. Whereas like when I'm kind of crunched up on a couch or 
like I can find that it's harder. Whereas even when I'm just simply standing, it is so much easier to go. So physical activity is a great way to stimulate your colon. Yesterday I was feeling definitely a little bit I hadn't gone in the morning and I knew that I needed to go because I've been taking parasite products. So I took some aloe vera juice, went for a walk around the neighborhood and I can barely make it back to the house. So, I mean, those things can go a long way. And think I just think about all the people who are put on Miralax or just whatever. And it's just, it's just truly unfortunate. Making sure obviously that you are having enough fiber. If you have a low fiber diet, it might work for you. Um, I know people who kind of eat more like carnivore-ish or animal, more animal-based where they're not doing like a ton of necessarily plant fiber. It's more fruits, dairy, some squashes and stuff that don't necessarily have a ton. I think fiber really truly is person by person dependent. It also depends on where you're at in your healing journey, what you feel like you can tolerate. So, but you know, I think that raw carrots, rooted vegetables, those are really great source of fiber if you can't tolerate leafy greens or things like that. So find a way to add some type of bulk in that, that does well with you. Back to, um, oh, medications. Yeah. So there's various forms there's various medications that are prone to cause constipation. Um, those such as antiacids, antidepressants, blood sugar medications, and painkillers are some of the most common ones that can actually slow down your bowel movements. And even overuse of various laxatives, especially over the counter, can definitely cause constipation because they are habit forming. So if you're on those things, definitely maybe talking to your practitioner on how you can get off or find a different alternative if you, constipation is something that you're struggling with. Then we can get into some other, okay, some medical type conditions that kind of slow that GI motility. So hypothyroidism is a big one because with hypothyroid, it is slow everything. It's slow hair growth. It's slow nail growth. It's slow digestion. It's slow heart rate. It's slow thyroid. It's slow metabolism. It's slow everything. The thyroid is just like your metabolic rate. So when it's not functioning right, it's slowing everything down multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, um, anxiety, all of those are kind of different things that we look at when in terms of kind of diagnosable issues, um, hormonal issues. Um, so if you notice that, you know, the first two weeks of your cycle, you have no problem, you're going to the bathroom every day, it's regular, but then you get after ovulation and you feel more constipated, then it definitely can be a hormonal thing. So progesterone has a big role in terms of um, a big role in the terms of the second half of our cycle. But it, the negative effect of progesterone sometimes is that it can make you feel a little bit more constipated. So especially in pregnancy, when you're making a lot more constipation or when you're making a lot more constipation, when you're making a lot more progesterone, you can feel more constipated. So hormonally, when we are feeling this or noticing this shift in progesterone, I like telling people to increase your magnesium, especially if you're more prone to feelings of constipation during this time and hormonal shift. Magnesium citrate is a really good one because one, in the second half of your cycle, you just have more nutritional needs for magnesium. So when that becomes depleted, it also can slow down your bowels. So magnesium citrate can be really, really helpful. You also want to look at potential other supplements that you might be on, like calcium and iron supplements are huge for triggering constipation. I almost, I literally never recommend a standalone calcium or a standalone iron supplementation. I just, not a fan. Absolutely not a fan. I, you want to do whole food based iron and whole food based calcium because the synthetic forms absolutely can be caused for constipation. Not a fan. Um, Okay, so 
some simple kind of things that we just to kind of summarize talking about. So looking at your diet, adding fermented foods, kimchi, sauerkraut, if you feel like you tolerate them well, grass-fed yogurt, um, getting on a potential good probiotic, really looking at things like gluten that can, even if you're not gluten sensitive necessarily, or even celiac, a lot of times gluten can cause issues in people. Even if you're like, oh, I eat it and I'm fine. I don't feel bloated. Well, it still could be affecting you in other ways. Like a lot of times gluten is not usually reacting with people super great. I, you know, and it's, it's very heavily found in our food. So, uh, make sure that you are definitely getting lots of movement that maybe you're dry brushing, maybe you're doing deep breathing, maybe you're going for a walk, make sure you're staying hydrated. So in the morning, I don't recommend drinking coffee on an empty stomach for cortisol and stress levels, but definitely make sure that you're hydrated before. I love doing like a warm water. So whether it's warm water with lemon, warm water with apple cider vinegar, a warm herbal tea, something to like really get your bowels rehydrated and to just really kind of kickstart that digestion for the day. I mentioned parasites and candida and stuff before. So it's really, really awesome to work through a parasite protocol especially if you have some other gut issues going on or even if it's skin issues or hormone stuff, parasite, like hormones aren't root cause. There's always something deeper going on. And I really do find in so many cases that getting rid of these things are helping. I'm currently going through one right now because I've just been noticing more skin stuff recently and some bowel stuff. And I mean, it's crazy. Like I feel like I, it's wild to think that there's this much in me, (laughs) honestly. So You can also try some bowel moving herbs. So natural bowel movers such as ginger, senna leaf, really, really helpful for promoting that normal muscle contraction to prevent constipation. So really helping with that motility. I love those. I love aloe vera juice. I like apple cider vinegar. All of those are kind of big, big things that I think about, especially when thinking about how I can support healthy and regular bowel movements. Okay, so I'm going to get to some, okay, so I had you guys ask some questions in a question box, so I'm just going to go through and make sure I covered everything. So constipation and pregnancy, we talked about that one. Emotional and trauma work, I kind of talked about that one a little bit, but not, I guess, emotional and trauma work can definitely relate to the stress side of constipation, so feeling more stressed feeling like you're not in that parasympathetic state because emotions and trauma can hide and be trapped in various forms of the body. I definitely recommend reading the book Emotion Code. It's amazing. I'm definitely not an expert in that realm, but I do see how emotion and trauma can affect everybody so differently. I see it with skin stuff, see it with gut stuff. So it's definitely something you want to look into. Tips for battling constipation on vacation. So this is a really important one. Because I know that a lot of people, when you're kind of out of your routine or when you are flying, even just that change in air pressure, and then you get change in time zone, and then you get total change in routine, it really can throw things off. So uh, when I travel, I love taking lots of magnesium citrate. I like taking the bowel mover from Cellcor. It's a really great product that has aloe vera juice, ginger, nettle, sienna. It's got um, just tons of great bowel moving herbs. So that I always take when I'm traveling because I know that I'm probably going to be thrown off. Definitely my castor oil packs, if I can swing it to be able to travel with it, 
those are so great. Um, one, because they're helping to bring down a lot of that GI inflammation. They're helping to really promote better lymph flow from the um, liver and gallbladder to be able to flush into the bowels. They're very relaxing. So those are like a non-negotiable. So making sure you have magnesium citrate, making sure that you're staying well hydrated, that's a really big problem with traveling, trying to eat really good healing, nourishing foods and not kind of those crappy fried fast foods. Very important. And then looking at your supplements that you're bringing, bringing a probiotic, bringing a magnesium, maybe bringing a natural bowel mover, all can definitely help. We talked about how to combat it in the second half of the cycle. Um, this question is, what to do next after SIBO is addressed but constipation is still present? So a lot of people, they attack SIBO or candida before even looking at something like parasites. Paras- you got to attack, and even Lyme and mold, before you attack any of those, you have to attack potential parasite infection. So if you're still noticing constipation after maybe a SIBO or candida type cleanse, you might want to do some some more look into potential parasites or maybe one of these other root causes that I mentioned today maybe would have stuck out. Um, we talked about food and activities to relieve constipation. I good drink loads of water and exercise, but still constipated. My doctor says to take Miralax, but no way. Okay. So I think hopefully the tips in this podcast are really going to help you because you've got a lot of different things you can look on a lot of different herbs, magnesium citrate. You can high dose, you can decently dose that. I wouldn't high dose without working with a practitioner. Um, but that's definitely a more natural form of constipation relief. Um, definitely make sure you're doing castor oil packs. You can do uh, topical peppermint essential oil to the abdomen as well. That's really good. Peppermint tea, ginger tea, going for a walk after you take some aloe juice. Trust me, that's a good one. Um, I do go regularly, but if my routine is off for one day, I won't go for one to two days. So that's a tough one. I know routine. A lot of people fall into this one about routine, like if the routine's off. So I think in those cases, having like more of those herbs or supplements on hand so that you can make sure you're going is helpful, especially because there's going to be sometimes that we are just thrown off of our routine. Um, let's see, I think what side effects does constipation cause? Kind of talked about that bloating, distension, acne, estrogen dominance, just toxic buildup in general, because that's a huge way that we detox. Um, lots of your thoughts on pelvic therapy for constipation, huge fan, yoga, pelvic therapy, lots of just pelvic strengthening, vagus nerve activation, very, very important. Um, so it looks like I covered pretty much all the questions that you guys asked. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you thought about this episode. I hope it was helpful for you. And if there's anything else that, uh, any other topics, even kind of going into this one that I can help answer, definitely be sure to reach out and ask, but otherwise I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Next week episode is going to be great. I interviewed the, one of the producers of the film the business of birth control so i'm really excited for you guys to listen to that it's going to be great and i hope you have a great rest of the week Woo!